Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Tuesday, June 7th, and it is time for another episode of The Pit Politics in Trucking, sponsored by our friends at Cardio Miracle. And we've got John and Stanford joining us today. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to bring them in right now and we're going to jump into our open. Hey guys, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. Good morning. Great to be with you. Great to have you guys today. Where is everybody? I'm on, uh, I, I, stands in St. George and I'm in just off of I 80 headed. To Salt Lake in uh, Park City, Utah. Got it. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm going to jump in with my topic for today, and then we'll see if you guys want to open with anything. Um, I'm wondering. I know you guys are both, you know, up on politics, and um, but I'm wondering if you know anything about this topic. Uh, it's a topic we've been talking about for a couple of years. Pretty big deal in trucking, but it's also going to be, be a big deal in a lot of other industries. We were talking a lot about it before the pandemic. Um, we haven't talked about it much since. I've brought it up now and then, but there is some action on this again. Um, either one of you guys familiar with the California law AB5? Not offhand for me, John. No, Kevin. Okay, I think you might be interested in this. Um, so in, this is a, a California law specifically, the law is passed, AB5 passed several years ago. And here's what AB5 says, forget trucking for a second, this has, this affects every industry. So AB5 is a new test to determine whether somebody is an independent contractor or an employee. And we've been fighting okay, this. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I this. We, I we've been this. fighting yeah. this issue for years and years in trucking because we use a lot of independent contractors. I'll be the first one to admit the industry also abuses the independent contractor rule. There are a lot of companies that pay people as independent contractors that are really employees. And I am all for enforcement on those issues. We have rules already that apply to that. If you can come in and show that somebody is an employee, well, then deal with that. We already have a law that, that you know, addresses that. But the point here is that they don't want independent contractors, they don't have enough control right. over independent contractors. They would rather just get rid of them completely, and it's a control issue. So here's what they did. For the la as long as I can remember, I started doing taxes in the early 90s, and I know since then we have used a 21-question test from the IRS to determine right. whether or not somebody's an independent contractor. And it's kind of a mess, really. I mean, when you look at the 21 questions, they're all over the board. There's no clear pass-fail on who really is an independent contractor and who isn't. It's really kind of up to the IRS every time they look at this. It's not very clear-cut. So I think we need improvements in how we determine, and it should be very, very clear, who is an employee and who's an independent contractor. But here's what they did. 
They didn't improve anything. They're basically just trying to get rid of independent contractors. So they came up with this A, B. Oh, go ahead, Stan. Yeah, I was going to ask, Kevin, isn't the, it's the presumption, my recollection, it's the presumption under that legislation that an individual is a W-2 employee and you have to prove 1099 status. Correct. Isn't that the presumption that it's, yep. they're, they're employed and you have to prove otherwise? Yep. That's exactly right. And then they created, instead of the 21 questions, they created the ABC test instead. Let's just throw out the A and C part of the test. We don't need to talk about them. They don't have much to do with anything. They would just confuse everybody. The B part is what is very, very clear, but it's a horrible idea. Here's what they did. The B part of the test says that whatever your primary role as a company is, whatever your primary business model is, and I'll use trucking companies as an example, trucking companies are in the business of doing what? They move freight, correct? Correct. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. it. I mean, that's really what trucking companies do, and that's about all they do. It's a very simple operation. They move freight from point A to point B for other people. That, that's what trucking companies do. So what the B part of this test says is that you cannot use independent contractors for that purpose. If you are a trucking company and you move freight, you cannot use independent contractors to move freight. Now, you could go get independent contractors to do all of your printing. You could use an independent contractor to do your legal work if you wanted. You can use an independent contractor to fix your trucks or trailers, but you cannot use an independent contractor to move freight because that's your primary business. That's a huge change. That means a big, big part of our industry in trucking is trucking companies leasing on individual owner-operators that own trucks. One truck, one driver, they lease themselves and their equipment to that trucking company, and that's where they get their freight from, and they're considered an independent contractor. That goes away. Can't do that anymore. Completely gone. So I'm just taking a look at the AB, I'm just taking a look at the ABC test now, Kevin, and uh, that part B, right? That the worker does the worker perform work that is outside the usual course of the hiring entity's business. Right. There's a presumption that he he's engaged in work other than trucking. Right. What the what that's, the B part says is that's the question is well he can't be involved in trucking he has correct. to be involved in another business it, yep that's it exactly right you can if, if you are a trucking company you can in, use independent contractors for everything except moving freight well that's the whole point that's where they use independent contractors is to move freight that's how our industry has worked for decades and it works just fine well that goes away completely you can't do it. It becomes illegal. As of right now, so here's the story where we are on AB5. It passed a couple of years ago. Um, here's the other interesting thing about this. Talk about 
unintended consequences. There's really two big pushes for this. The unions are pushing for it because they don't like independent contractors because they can't take any money off of them. So the union wants everybody to become employees. And and they're really, they fought in California for the ports. A lot of the trucks and ports are owned by contractors and the unions want that work. So they, that was one of the big pushes for this law. The other one though, was the gig economy. Uber and, and uh, Lyft and Instacart and all these new um, gig work where you are an independent contractor. Now, here's the interesting thing. This law, actually, the, the gig economy, these gig companies have a huge argument. I, and Stan, maybe you could help with this. You're, you understand the law. Yeah. Um, here's what Uber and Instacart and companies like those are saying you can pass this law all day doesn't affect us because here's their argument and i think it's actually a brilliant argument a company like uber is saying wait a minute we don't have employees or independent contractors we have customers we're a software company we're a tech company the people that download our app and use it are our customers They're not employees or independent contractors. They downloaded our software and they're using it to run their business. I think that's an absolutely brilliant argument. That's, uh, can you make that argument from a logistics perspective as a trucking company? No, you can't. Now, if you changed your technology... That that, that just seems to me to be the the argument by analogy, right? The the trucking companies that perform logistics services, right? They use... uh, That seems it it, it, it may not be open for every trucking company, but certainly there are some uh, trucking companies that also run their own software logistics purposes and say, yeah, they're just using our software to run it great. Yeah, here's here's the problem. Here's the problem, and here's why the the, um, trucking industry won't be able to take advantage of that kind of loophole that the gig workers can. There's there's really two business models if I own a truck. I'm one driver. I own one truck. There's two business models. I can just go lease my truck and my services to another trucking company and run under their authority. Remember, in trucking, you have to have the government's permission to move freight. You have to apply to the government for authority to become a trucking company. Now, if I want to lease my truck to a trucking company that has authority, I don't need to do any of that. I can skip that whole process. I just go lease to them and I run under their authority. At that point, though, I have to sign a contract with them. That makes me an independent contractor. The the other option is I go get my own authority, which a lot of people do. I mean, it's a fairly common thing. It's, it costs some money. It makes your business quite a bit more complicated, but it's an option. If I go do that, then yes, I could use some company's technology and I wouldn't be considered an independent contractor, but that's already a way out of this for trucking. So there, there is a fix for this, but it's a really complicated, expensive fix that doesn't really help everybody. There are a lot of people out there that just, 
they should own a truck and just be leased to a carrier. It's a good model. They should not have their own authority. So the in in fact that was part of the the new ruling that just came out. Um, uh, there was a brief filed on May 24th by the Solicitor General on per, on behalf of the U.S. government, and basically what they said was. The Solicitor General claimed that AB5's requirements are easily avoided, that the law may have no impact at all on carriers or owner-operators, and that there is no conflict in other circuit courts. Here's part of the problem, and here's why we're, we're fighting this. in tra- Now, look, this was not a trucking rule. This is for every industry in California. Now, some industries got exemptions. Who knows why? They have a better lobbying arm, I guess. Um, Strippers don't, they have an exemption from this rule. Why did strippers get an exemption? Because their uniforms are very expensive. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, there's there's a whole bunch of industries that got exemptions. Well, actually, Kevin, maybe they're not stripping. Maybe they're just uh, maybe they're uh, you know health enthusiasts that are uh, doing you know I don't know vertical yoga or something. That's so, what it is. Yeah, yeah that's they're it. really not strippers. They're they're just you know health enthusiasts that are trying to teach. Uh, there you go. Some uh, activity. There so. you go. All right. We just need to figure out a loophole like that for truck drivers, and we certainly don't want them taking off their clothes. Well, hey, what, what if, if there's a, what if a, a, Kevin, what if a, a trucking company, which has authority, decides to lease its trucks to uh, operators who then sublease out their services to other trucking companies? That does happen. That already happens. We it's called we have lease purchase programs where these trucking companies go buy a whole bunch of new trucks and instead of operating right. them themselves, they lease purchase them to individuals. The problem is that person now needs to turn around and release that equipment back to the trucking company to move freight, and that's what AB five makes illegal. Right. Okay. So, yeah. okay. so the fix is an individual truck owner could. He's a, he's a customer, just the same kind of uh, um, argument that the Uber Lyft, Uber Lyft make is that he's, he's simply a customer of a leasing company. Yeah, they would be in the first transaction, leasing the truck. Me as an individual, I go lease purchase that truck. In that transaction, I'm the customer. Now I have this truck that I can use. I don't own it, but I can use it. I don't have any trucking authority, so now I need to go lease. And technically, 99% of these deals the trucking company creates a third-party leasing arm that kind of keeps it a little more legal. But, but then again, I now have to lease that truck back to the trucking company to get the work I need because I don't have my authority. That's where AB5 steps in and says, no, you can't do that. You can't lease your equipment to a trucking company. That's what they do. 
So the the fix is. Well, so, so, this, so this is the California law. Correct. And where we are with it right now. Have any other has, has, has any other state followed uh, this law's model? Um, I others their own uh, their own uh, state statutes. I believe New Jersey has come close. I don't think they've passed one. I know they've talked about it. I remember a couple other states that had something in the process. But here's the scary thing. The federal government has a law like this right now. Hasn't passed, but it's written, and they want to get it passed. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine nationwide all of the independent contractors that would be put out of business. In all these industries. Yeah, because what, what's the solution? Now, if you're a trucker in California, you can say, well, screw California, I'll truck everywhere else. We'll just shut down California. And and that's, that could be what happens from this. And this is why. So here's where we, here's where we are on this law so we know wh- where, where it stands right now. California passed the law. The California Trucking Association immediately started fighting this law and they they were they managed to get an injunction. So California can't enforce this law on trucking companies right now. And then it started to move up through the court system. So far, every court has tried to take the injunction away. So they keep moving. Now it's at the Supreme Court. It's sitting at the Supreme Court, but we don't know right now. The Supreme Court hasn't agreed to hear it yet. We don't know if they will agree, if they'll put it off till their next session. We, we have no idea. So that's where it is right now. It's kind of in limbo at the Supreme Court. Kevin, Kevin, a clarification, the Supreme Court meeting the U.S. Supreme Court? This, yes. This is actually a federal yep. lawsuit? Yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, I think it went through the Ninth Circuit, um, and the Ninth Circuit, oh, sure. yeah, the Ninth yeah, Circuit, yeah, said no, you can't do this. The injunction doesn't stand. The law is still in place. So now it's up to the now. If the Supreme Court says, yeah, we're just not going to hear this, then it goes back to being law in the state of California again. Well, how long has it been at the uh, Supreme Court? waiting their decision to take vacation? Uh, it seems like about a year, if I remember right. Maybe longer. Maybe it's been two. The pandemic kind of screwed things up, and I wasn't following this as close because nobody was talking about it. But I, it's been there a while. Yeah. So it, um, and like I said, there is a... Um, a federal act, I think Matt just sent me the federal. I should have looked this up earlier. Um, looks, I believe it's called the pro. You're, you're, saying, you're, you're saying that the solicitor, you were saying just previously that the federal government, the solicitor general of the, of the Biden administration is, uh, is urging the Supreme Court not to review the case so they can be kicked back to California. Yep. And here's what they said. So let me explain how this would kind of work. And then we'll go back and I'll read this again, what the Solicitor General says about this and why he thinks the Supreme Court should just ignore it. Um, So let's take a company like Landstar. And I've worked with Landstar for years. Roughly, Landstar has about 10,000 independent contractors, I believe. Or we could take a company like FedEx 
that I had my trucks leased to for 25 plus years, they have probably 20,000 independent contractors across the country. Though FedEx is a whole different issue because of all their packages and the way they do things. I don't even know how FedEx would deal with something like this. Now, Landstar could say, hey, look, all 10,000 of you guys need to go get your own authority. Now, getting your authority is a several thousand dollar process, takes several weeks at least, sometimes longer, and your insurance if you're an independent contractor, you own one truck, your insurance could go from something like four or $5,000 a year to $25,000 a year. It's a huge change in a lot of things. It's, it's not an easy process. And a lot of people who own trucks would not be able to operate under these circumstances. Some of these guys would not even be able to get the insurance. They would just be put out of business. For the trucking right. company itself, for, for Landstar, think of what a major shift this is in their business. Taking 10,000 people who are directly contracted to you and can only move freight for you. Once I sign my truck onto a trucking company, I can't move freight for any other trucking company. I'm committed to them. So now here we have this trucking company, Landstar, who would have to take 10,000 independent contractors, make them go get their own authority. And once they do, they're not beholden to Landstar anymore. Now they can go move freight for anybody they want. This is a huge change in the business model. But here's the solicitor general's words this is why the solicitor general says uh, just ignore this to the supreme court the solicitor general claimed that ab5's requirements are easily avoided that the law may have no impact at all on carriers or owner operators and there is no conflict in other circuit courts that is an absolute lie there's no truth to that statement whatsoever Well, there's obviously hostility between the current administration and uh, and the independent contractor model. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is definitely a democratic law and bill. There are very few Republicans that have ever signed on to these. So now imagine, we what just is- talked about... Yeah, I just wonder, how, how, does, how does this benefit the state of California? How does it benefit anybody, really? Right. The stupid, the stupid proposition, I'm just trying to figure, why, why shut off your supply chain? I mean, we're experiencing uh, supply chain issues now for the first time. And significantly, you know, it, it, where you can see the, the underside of the laminate that's coming off the uh, transportation industry. Why would that, uh, you know, what was the purpose of increasing that degradation of the, trans- of, uh, the supply chain. Yeah. Making uh, working impossible, you know, financially impossible to operate. Yeah, and here's the reason why it was trucking. Yeah, here's the reason I believe why it was trucking that first took this all the way to the Supreme Court 
because this is an issue we always face in trucking. I'm a big believer in states' rights. I like the fact that states can set their own laws and we don't have a lot of central control or we shouldn't have a lot of central control from the federal government. We have way too much. But I'm in an industry that does need an exception to that, and we have one. It actually goes back to the FAA. The FAA passed a law a long time ago saying that states cannot interfere with the movement of goods. And that's what this does. When California creates a very specific law that affects trucking, now what if I'm a truck driver, an owner-operator in Oregon, and a lot of my freight goes to California? Now California tells me the minute I come into their state, I'm illegal as an independent contractor. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, your your legal status changes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why the you know it 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 will have a big impact on any industry that uses independent contractors, but most of those are in the state of California and they stay in the state of California. So it only affects California. But this law in trucking affects everybody with a truck that ever goes to California. If I might interject, Kevin, since when has being illegal a problem in California? <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And, and maybe and maybe what they need to do is they need to identify as union truck drivers. So if you just, can change your gender, oh, you, oh. Might, you might be able to change your trucking status. Now, it took me a or, second there. I, could, uh, yeah. It took me a second there. Another idea on top of jobs is just identify as an illegal immigrant. Uh, yeah. And, uh, exactly. But no one will, the member will leave you alone, and they'll probably get free cell phones and free health insurance. There you go. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, like I said, this this isn't being talked about a lot. You don't hear about this in the news. It's one of those specific things. But when you start thinking about how bad it would be if California upholds this law, but then if this starts to spread or if we were to get a federal version of this, I can't imagine what it would do to our economy. Yeah, that's probably that's nothing to that. You know, I, I don't I don't know enough about enough other industries to know. I certainly know how this would impact trucking and it's going to be huge. But you know, companies even like um, Home Depot. You go to Home Depot and you pick out some carpeting or some tile or a new ceiling fan or whatever. Pick out anything in their store. They have somebody that will come install it for you. They're all independent contractors. That's just one other industry. I mean, there are just so many industries now that use independent contractors, and it works. What's the problem here is what I don't get. The unions, they're, they're pandering to the unions because that's their, that's their source of funding in a lot of their politics. We added the FICA tax. Yeah. You know, as an independent contractor, I still have to pay it. I have to pay both halves myself. Yeah, yeah. But it's harder to collect. Right, but, 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 but does that happen, right? Uh, then it becomes less, maybe less of an enforcement issue. 
Well, you're right. And there, there is a way around some of that FICA tax. We actually teach people how to do it. And, you know, you form an S-corp, you take a, a small amount as a salary, and you got to play that game. Is it enough salary for the work you do? And then you take the rest of your money as a distribution, and you don't have to pay Social Security or Medicare on your distributions. But, but, you know, so what? So that also means that the Social Security Administration doesn't owe me much when I do finally retire. So what's wrong with that? Yeah. What's wrong with that? Because, well, it, honestly, you know, that... Was it, a, was it a House... Kevin, was it a, a House bill or a Senate bill that originated the, the federal counterpart to California's statute? Uh, it's, uh, you know? Looks like it was a House bill. Uh, so that's all that we need right now is to really jack up uh, independent contracting as a employment model, given what we've been through in the last two years. Exactly. There, there couldn't be worse timing for something like this, given where we are with our economy right now. So I just, uh, I've been trying for a couple of years to make people in trucking aware of this so we can attempt to fight back. But uh, there are an awful lot of other industries that will be, um, you know, severely affected by this. And a lot of people, you know, and, and yeah. their answer is, well, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll just get a job with this company. Well, I don't want a job. I've been self-employed my whole life and I kind of like it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, we've got some good counsel with that. Um, hope they've got some good counsel with that. So, that was my topic for for today. Um, anybody have anything else they want to throw out? Well, I was, uh, looking at airfares and I, it's shocking to see what's happened. The airfares in the last 90 days, uh, they've, in many cases, tripled. And then everyone I've talked to in the last little while has had a problem with their connecting flights and the delays. Uh, one of our associates spent uh, 16 hours in the Las Vegas airport waiting for multiple delayed flights the other day. You know, it's kind of crazy. I, I um, Prices are insane. Like you said, almost tripled on some flights. And yet, most of the airlines are cra- claiming record-breaking um, activity right now. And I would say record-breaking revenue, which would make sense since they raised their prices. But they're talking about record-breaking bookings. They're selling more tickets than ever right now. They're, and they're canceling flights, though, too. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of flights are being canceled. Uh, a lot of things are happening um, with certain routes in certain cities. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I saw different numbers that I'm not sure of, so I wouldn't say. But we're talking thousands and thousands of flights and multiple hundreds of routes are being altered. And obviously, you know, you've got the fuel issue as uh, primary, but the other is the employees. There's a dramatic problem in our country with employment because 
Uh, some people are sick. I wonder why. Uh, they're suffering from uh, unknown things that seem to be affecting their ability to work. There seems to be an outbreak of, of issues among pilots that is rare. Pilots have always had some of the, as you know, probably from the insurance business, Kevin, pilots have always had tremendous mortality because they have, have very strict standards, and yet we're hearing of pilots having heart attacks and the plane and then having a heart attack. There seems to be an uncanny coincidence uh, over the last two years and all the different things that have been mandated and the health of our pilots throughout the system. I have a theory. Maybe they all have monkey pox. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh. So that's a real problem. It's a real problem because, I, I mean, I was looking myself at, at booking a flight and you know it's one thing to pay double or triple but it's another to kind of be looking at uh whether or not you're actually going to get there if yeah yeah i think i talked to someone related to you just drove cross country so i mean there's a lot of a <laughs> lot of interesting things going on that pe- people are driving and then and then every time they hit the uh, gas station they, you know, have a small seizure. Yeah. Yeah, they're, uh, I, I, I really want to do an entire show of the pit on the vaccine itself and all the numbers I'm, I've been able to put together. And uh, it, it's pretty crazy, but yet it's so confusing and so convoluted and the numbers are all over the board. And I'm not even sure that I could put it all together and make sense, but... Um, it, it's just incredible now how many vaccinated people still die from COVID. Um, how many people with the vaccine are having issues like myocarditis and heart attacks and strokes. And But, you know, all we keep hearing is, oh, no, it's safe and you better get it and you better get boosted. And, uh, it just doesn't seem to end. I just, I, it, it's almost frustrating thinking about that topic and trying to do a show about it. I'm so frustrated with it. I, you know, I want to go back to one more thing. I actually opened my earlier show today. We do a maintenance show on Tuesdays um, with a weird issue that we're facing. You know, we've heard about the chip shortage, right? Auto manufacturers can't get enough computer chips. They've got cars sitting in lots. Um, some of them started to work through that. We thought... There is a, uh, trucks today are just like cars. They have all kinds of computers. It's hard to keep track of how many there are. There's so many of them. Um, There's one called a CPC. Um, It's a control module in a truck. The driveline control module is kind of what this thing is. So it's, it's basically just a little computer with a bunch of chips in it. No big deal. We hardly ever talk about this thing, except all of a sudden, there is a huge rash of theft of this particular part. So people are breaking into um, truck dealerships. They're breaking into trucking companies. They're breaking into auction yards. And they are stealing this computer out of the trucks. Not a very big part. If you can't get them, they've been on back order forever. They're about $1,400 new. They're now selling for six and $7,000 on the black market. But also, I just read about an auction company, 
30 of their trucks that were sitting there waiting to be auctioned, these modules got stolen out of them. Those are now paperweights. They can't sell those trucks. They're stuck with 30 of these things that they can't get apart for. Yeah, that's, that's a, there's a serious, a lot of serious issues like that going on and, and parts and uh, just costs in general um, are, are just uh, the inflationary aspect of costs. And, and we're just, I think we're just barely starting to see the surcharges, uh, upcharges impact on inflation. And then, of course, you can look at the grocery stores and start seeing a lot of vacancies. I, I was shopping yesterday and noticed that eggs had gone up precipitously, uh, dairy had gone up, um, and and everything is smaller. I don't know if I talked about that last week. It's almost almost ridiculous when you see that everything has gotten 20 to 30 percent smaller, and then the creative merchants and, and manufacturers, they have a problem. I, I don't blame them, but then they... You know, put it on sale at a smaller price. Looks like it's on sale compared to what you used to pay <laughs> until you get used to the smaller packaging. So it's a, it's a, it's like a shell game, a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, yeah. Our our whole economy feels like a Ponzi scheme right now. It's really true. Uh, you know, I had a thought, Kevin, for what it's worth, and you're being in the trucking side. I, I'm thinking there needs to be a way for the people to express their displeasure in a peaceful, civil way. And I was just thinking, and I'm curious in your input on this, I was thinking that every time we fill up our car with uh, fuel or a truck with fuel, that as we take our receipt and get in our car, that we honk our horn three times, you know, it's sort of like uh, times on the ceiling if you want me. Uh, the entire yellow ribbon, but I was thinking if we, if everyone across the country started honking three times at the end of their fill-up and basically saying, thank you, Brandon, that might be a very appropriate approach. <laughs> okay. Um, let me take that a step further. Um, in Instead of Thank you, Joe Biden. What if we just beep out the Morse code for FJB? Well, whatever. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I was trying to be polite instead of saying, let's go. Let's say thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Um, might, be the, might be a way of saying, of letting people know that the, I, I think it could become really interesting. It just occurred to me today that if, everybody honked at the end of their fill-up, I think that might spread. And eventually, you know, because that's civil disobedience, but not really. Everyone's entitled to honk um, as long as they're not uh, causing an accident. I wouldn't want an air horn going off behind me while I'm driving down the freeway. But I would, I would love to be hearing uh, the honking. I think that would remind us all of, of who's responsible for this shutdown of all these leases and uh, the pipelines. And, and in the name of green energy, we open up a, a pipeline for, for the Russians and then we close our own pipeline down. I mean, the, it is so beyond uh, belief that we could be this stupid 
or that this uh, conniving to try to hurt the people of this country. You know what? You just reminded me of something that I put in my notes yesterday, but I can't find in my notes today. Um, did and I I did I made a note of it because I wanted to go look it up and verify it, and make sure I've got this right. Um, and I forget the name of the act. It's the 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 defense something act is the one that um, Trump used to get vaccines and masks and ventilators and all that stuff out where they go to manufacturers and they we use you know the government kind of forces manufacturers to produce what the government says they have to produce the isn't that the does anybody know the name of that act i don't know it's not the emergency authorization act probably something else yeah um there's a specific name for it but i don't it, know we we just I used it yeah. Take over it, private industry and say, hey, make these things for us now. Like they took over the steel industry, you know, in the past, you know, during uh, war times to, you know, require private industry to make, you know, force government contract and production. Yeah. 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 That, that's the one. Did I just read somewhere recently that Biden is now using that for solar panels? Not sure, but I don't know. I'm not aware of that. Was, uh, was he trying to? Uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, but, uh, I, it, it basically, the little bit that I caught. Oh, yeah, hold on. Here it is. I just found it. Um, here's the headline Biden draws heat for invoking Defense Production Act to boost solar panels. So, this that's the name of it the um, Defense Production, Production Act. Right. It's designed, Stanford, like you were just saying, for real emergencies, wartime, famine, you know, natural disasters. That, and, and for whatever reason, we're short of something we really need. The government has the ability and the authority to go to manufacturers and force them to use their facilities to produce certain things that we need now to fix something. So how, how insane is this? that he's using this to create solar panels. What the hell is that going to do for us right now? Yeah. Solar panels are, are like, why would we even be thinking about solar panels right now? Because gas is $6 a gallon. What, what good are solar panels going to do anybody? just the agenda it's all about the politics of the green agenda and and the green agenda isn't really about saving energy it's about controlling the people it's just it's obvious because there's conflicting situations all over the world uh and and so we're the we're the idiots who put up with it so that's why we've got to uh continue to remind each other that this is unacceptable that our leaders are are imposing these types of uh, restrictions and problems on our people uh, and that they're out of control. They're all out of control. And it's up to us to do something about it. Why, why wouldn't we, and we wouldn't even need to use the Defense Production Act, but if we're going to use it, 
Why wouldn't we be using it with oil companies and telling them they have to increase production? Exactly. That would fix things tomorrow. It, it, it violates the, uh, a policy of the current administration of rationality. It just makes too much sense. Yeah, we, I mean, you, you would see prices come down in a matter of days. If they just start producing more oil, just start, we have tons of it. Just start pumping it, start producing it, open pipelines back up, price will come back down. You wouldn't even need to use the Defense Production Act. These companies want to produce more oil. It's a problem. It's a problem. And that's why we need to find ways of reminding, you know, it's hard to protest. I I don't know, Kevin, think about my three honks for Brandon, because I I think that there needs to be easy ways for people to keep reminding each other that this is unacceptable because uh, I don't know. I, I, it's just hard to always be rallying at the, at your state Capitol. And then, you, you know, nowadays people are going to be afraid to go uh, protest anywhere because of uh, the things that have happened in our country for those people who did protest. So it's, uh, it's, it's really challenging. We've got to find ways of, letting each other know that this is not acceptable and reminding each other going into primary elections and uh, elections this fall to get rid of everybody we can that uh, is (laughs) anti-American. So, John, I agree with you. We can't just keep protesting, um, you know, the the people who are most enraged by this are the people who are out producing every day and working and keeping our economy going. The last thing we want is those people going and protesting. We need people to keep working and protesting just doesn't seem to be very effective. So you're right. What do we do? And and one of the things I want to make sure we do on the show is not just keep complaining about the problems I mean, we need to. We need to highlight them. We need to talk about them. Um, We need to start looking for solutions. But the only thing I know right now is what you just said. We just have to keep talking about this, and we have to try to get as many people involved as we can. Kevin, let me give you a – let me speak some good news, actually, on the point that that John brings up about this uh, January 6th insurrection uh, fiasco um, in, in comedy. And there was a, there was an effort um, this year in Arizona by a number of citizens in Arizona that brought a lawsuit against uh, two Republican congressmen, Paul, Goose, uh, Paul Gosar and Andy Biggs. And their lawsuit sought to keep uh, Gosar and Biggs off of re, the re-election ballot to prevent them from running because they alleged uh, right on point that they had been involved in this so-called insurrection, this alleged insurrection of January 6th, and uh, stated that under the 14th, the third clause of the 14th Amendment, that anybody that uh, had been involved in an insurrection that held public office was no longer, was disqualified uh, to hold that public, the federal public office. Uh, that case, uh, those cases against Mr. Gosar and Mr. Biggs were uh, were dismissed as a consequence of the Prosecute Now team's legal work. Our uh, lead counsel, George Wentz, actually, instead of, uh, he was going to be traveling with John that day to meet with Governor DeSantis, but uh, 
had to, on an emergency basis, argue those cases in front of the Maricopa Supreme Court um, or the Arizona Supreme Court, Maricopa County, um, to uh, to defend these Republican uh, congressmen's right to reelection, and uh, fortunately prevailed. Those cases were kicked out, uh, were dismissed with prejudice uh, summarily by the court, but not after uh, some uh, some serious legal serious legal fighting. So, um, you know, the law can prevail. And we've had some significant wins uh, from the prosecutor. Now, legal team, the, as we talked earlier on an earlier show, the travel mask mandate was rejected, found unconstitutional or illegal. This particular case, we'll be posting this up on the prosecutor now uh, website soon, with the dismissal of these lawsuits so that uh, these two Republican representatives can can run again because you have these uh, Democrats, it was private citizens that were actually attempting to bring a case against uh, a sitting federal uh, congressman uh, under the color of some uh, constitutional claim. And the court found that the, the 14th Amendment did not provide this qualification clause there, did not provide a, a uh, basis for private action. Uh, from a private citizen, and that in fact, it was Congress's duty to enforce uh, the disqualification clause. And so, um, successfully, uh, those cases were shot down and summarily, you know, uh, well, dismissed with prejudice. So, <clears throat> one of the things that we can do is be very specific about the battles we want to fight, be very strategic about how we fight them. Um, Look for the right, you know, in, in cases where we're looking for to, to pursue actions, looking for the plaintiffs with the right fact patterns and actually presenting the right cases. The fact remains that a lot of the cases that were brought in the last few years, uh, even after the, uh, the election, uh, many cases failed because they were ineptly, they were ineptly brought. They were ineptly constructed. They were not thought out. You know, the consequence of those losses was, was really a function of the work product, not the law. So um, that's one of the things that John and I are involved in. With prosecute now is actually identifying very specific, very specific uh, fights to take issue with and, uh, and putting together great cases uh, and showing the receipts of those wins. So... Just so everybody knows out there that uh, there are still great judges on the bench, both state and federal judges. Uh, there are great lawyers in the country who, uh, who are actually interested in preserving the republic and interested in the rule of law. So one of the things that we're doing right now, actually, well, we're engaged in a, in a specific uh, process right now. Um, with uh, a number of members of our team to to intelligently bring um, some serious cases against uh, bad actors associated with these injections. You, you, you said the word vaccines, and I just have to correct that, Kevin. We didn't. We haven't had vaccines for the last two years. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, experimental gene therapy. 
Yeah, the gene therapy. That's a medical treatment. It's unconstitutional to mandate uh, medical treatments. We don't mandate sterilization on people. That's illegal. And uh, the gene therapy is a it's a medical treatment. And uh, so, you know, masquerading as a vaccine that doesn't provide immunity, that doesn't provide, that doesn't protect against infection or reinfection, and doesn't stop transmission. Yeah, I wonder what the hell that vaccine was built for. <laughs> yeah. So, if, if none of that, right? So, where the basis of vaccination is uh, is um, categorically immunization. And so now we are dealing with oh, the changing of uh, definitions. Well, uh, so, you know, I, I think I've we've spoken before about the, the Griner case, Griner versus Biden case, the federal case here in Utah, where the purpose of that case is to is to call the Biden administration to account, the CDC to account, uh, um, Health and Human Services uh, to account because uh, these these injections were not and are not vaccines. If, if you think if they were legitimate vaccines for which uh, the public interest was the specific purpose, that uh, Pfizer would have asked for seventy five years to disclose its its um, research documentation for a product for which they have no liability. And you line it up, it just smells bad. So, uh, but the Griner case, the Griner versus Biden case in Utah, the uh, federal district court in Utah is the purpose of that case is, is just that. I want everybody to know that we have a, is to hold the uh, administration responsible and to prevent the uh, this you know continual mandate that requires healthcare workers to be injected or lose their lose their jobs or, or military members. So, oh yeah, yeah. or enforcement military. Yeah, or you know, and I know this isn't the government, but we have colleges that take an awful lot of government money that are forcing students of all people young so yep. young that nobody dies yep. from this at that age but they're being forced to take it or lose all the money they paid for tuition the crazy thing is some people taking right. off so, campus courses right. online are still forced to go do it right so here's the importance of the Griner case because a win in that case appropriately identifies the injection for what it is. It is a medical treatment and cannot be mandated, period. That would apply across any application across the country. And Good. So, we'll keep you apprised, but um, in response to our lawsuit, the Biden administration filed a motion to dismiss, and we filed a, our team has filed the opposition to that motion to dismiss, Um uh, we're awaiting the reply of the administration's, uh, the reply to that opposition, and then it'll be, you know, the court will have a, uh, a hearing and we'll get a decision. We'll, uh, you know, God willing, and thanks to the great work of our legal team, we'll prevail on that motion to dismiss, and then we're off, you know, to discovery. So, so if anybody's interested, so, oh, go ahead, John. Well, what I was going to say is that it's important for uh, the listeners out here uh, a note of clarification. We're not in a vendetta against our government. 
we're, we're in a vendetta about transparency and true science. We are looking to get to the bottom with full disclosure of all of the key players of what's been going on here for the last two years and the last 20 years with regards to this uh, pandemic, pathogens, and all of those things. We're interested in finding the truth. We're not out to saber-rattling to try to cause trouble. We're trying to get to the bottom of the truth. And that's why it has to come through the legal process. And all we're looking to do is have the day in court, put the characters involved in mandating and, uh, and or blackmailing or whatever our government officials uh, at all levels to mandate some sort of a, an agenda that in all appearances appears to have serious conflict with human liberty. We're all about human liberty. And anyone out there who is interested in our constitutional uh, republic and the, the liberties that we have enjoyed in total or parts over the years needs to understand that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to do our part, uh, just like the American revolutionaries stood up against tyranny. We are standing up against tyranny. And so we, we appreciate greatly those who have found uh, the Cardio Miracle product to be valuable in strengthening and building their immune system, in helping to protect their vascular system. Uh, all of these are scientific types of things that we seem to be true and actually scientifically based. And because of that, we have felt as patriots, I mean, I have, I have 18 grandchildren, and I've spent 70 years uh, being blessed by living in America. And I am in shock and appalled at what is happening in our system. And so I and our company and those who work with us are doing everything possible to seek answers to the lack of transparency, completely shut the world down. And it seems to be coming from a select group of people who are search the search uh, the communication you have people predicting things the year before it happens that have already patented the test for it and the uh, alleged treatment for it before it was ever happening are these all clairvoyant people or are we just too stupid to realize that something's going on here to try to minimize the health and well-being of the inhabitants of this country and of the world. And so we're, we're doing something about it in the courts and with our financial uh, situation. And we would ask people to join us by taking care of their own health, by getting a, a great product like ours, but also going to prosecute now and enlightening people with the facts. These are facts that are, are well aware in both uh, government records and in patent law, which is very, very specific. So uh, kudos to Stanford Graham of our uh, our group and others who have helped pull this together. Uh, we've spent enormous resource in order to 
try to get transparency. But that's what we're after. We're not a bunch of crazy people. We are people who are demanding transparency from our government. I like it. And uh, I I just want to be clear. We're covering a lot of topics. It's legal. There's a lot of confusing stuff going on. Um, If you really want to follow along with this, if you're interested in fighting back for our liberties and you want to know what's going on and you want to be a part of it, go to prosecutenow.com. It's a great site. Looks like it's getting better and better all the time. Um, Head on over there and check it out. Uh, You know, I want to go back to something before I forget this. Um, I think Stanford, it was you that mentioned, or maybe it was John, I don't remember, um, the issue of um, the lawsuits. Um, And, you know, I believe it was yesterday or sometime recently, I was watching Biden um, try to mumble his way through some kind of talk. And, you know, he gets angry and, you know, he was kind of getting angry and yelling about the fact that you can't sue gun manufacturers. And I, I felt like screaming and jumping through the TV and saying, well, you know what? You can't sue vaccine manufacturers either, but I don't hear you talking about that. Yeah, point well taken. The selective agenda, Kevin, it's clearly political. Everything is political, but everything is power and control And this group is so desperate and their approval is so low that any clear thinking American should be seeing it unfold in front of our eyes. And they've got to start doing something. And you can go to prosecute now. They're going to be able to donate. All the donations are going to go for the legal work and the administrative work that's done. Every dime of it. This is about helping to save our republic, which is in absolute disarray and we need everyone to do their part by enlightening and sharing the information so that people can can figure out and connect the dots of the criminality that's been occurring all around us you know john you you bring up one point i want to make before we wrap this up and i don't know if we need to put on our tinfoil hats before we talk about this but uh it's something i've been thinking about a lot we know that right now polls across the country the democrats are getting hammered they are losing support from some of their most loyal groups hispanics minorities they are losing support every single day they are just getting hammered um every election so far has shown that the democrats are are really taking a beating and yet they don't seem to care they don't seem to be doing anything about it they don't seem to even try to turn any of this around And I'm just scratching my head saying, what are they thinking? Right now, they have control uh, of the government. And even with control, they can't get anything done. um, Thanks to a couple, you know, Democratic senators that have helped us a whole lot, Cinema and Mansion. But they're about to lose all of that power. And they don't seem to care. And the only thing I'm wondering is... Is it because they seem to have taken over all of the federal enforcement agencies? And how did they manage to do that, by the way? 
you know, I'm not sure how they've done it or what they're thinking because what they're doing is against everything that this country has always stood for. But the extreme uh, left has taken charge of any rational thinking Democrat or moderate Republican in some ways. And every, everything is about power and control. And that's why some people are very concerned about starting a war and then, you know, invoking some sort of emergency powers act. This, this, this president is challenged in virtually every way. And, and who knows what's up the sleeve of those who, I mean, look at what's happened in the last two years. Who happened in our world? Who would have dreamed that people would be dragged out to camps in Australia? Yeah. Uh, that countries like Canada would be passing handgun laws, uh, you know, and, and making making truckers uh, criminals who are out there in 20 below zero trying to get their country back. I mean, who would have believed this scenario? I, and it's because there's a global agenda that is becoming more clear every day. And Americans need to stand up and be counted in any way possible. And they need to uh, not just complain, but they need to share the information and enlighten. Information will illuminate the confused mind. Good information. And you can get all the information you want on Prosecute Now as to what's been going on for the last 20 years, leading to the last two years that we've experienced in our country. You know, I'm going to spend some time today getting this link, prosecutenow.com, um, on all of our sites. And I'll put it up on truckingtribe.com and healthytribe.com, and I'll um, reach out to our team and see where we could put it on letstruck.com. Um, we need to start getting some people to this site. We, we need to, it, it, like I said, I don't want this show to just be the fact that we sit around and complain. And clearly, that's not what you guys are doing. With, I mean, there's a lot of effort, money being put behind this, a lot of time, a lot of work. Um, we need to get as many eyeballs on the site as we possibly can. Well, I'll tell you, Kevin, the, um, the, the mask mandate case win shook the CDC. It shook them up. Good. It shook up the administrative seat because... Uh, they saw that their power had been challenged and that we won. We won. Yes. They, that mandate was put in place in an illegal, uh, because they, they flagrantly violated the Administrative Procedures Act. They created this regulation that came out of the, an executive order in an illegal fashion. And uh, the the basis for any appeal they have is solely to try to maintain bureaucratic authority over the health governance of our country. Because that's what we challenged. And that's what we won. Excellent. They don't have, they don't have the right to do that. Yep. Not in that way. They want if they want to seek, they want to seek, uh, uh, if they want to seek imposition of mandates, they've got to follow rules. They've got to allow question and comment. They have to take oppositional uh, arguments. That has to go through a process. They have to have a rational basis for their positions, none of which, if you go through the uh, decision, you can see the decision on prosecute now, but you'll find that the court 
found that the CDC had was woefully uh, unprepared and had inadequate findings, uh, facts, um, and any rationale to support the, the broad mass mandate that they actually imposed on this country for how many how many months? They're making people sick by wearing diaper, you know, face face diapers. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So. The point is that we can win. As a John's very eloquent, and it, it, what uh, what you're all about as well is it's bringing community together, bringing us together because they work very hard to separate us psychologically, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. They've done everything they can to separate us as families and friends, as uh, common citizens in, in cities and towns. In churches, they've done everything. They've done everything they can to separate us. There's much that we can do by deciding to to work together to help each other. It's much more powerful. And than one of <laughs> and one thing that's really important, Kevin, on this aspect, there's a lot of people who've who've actually made a lot of money off of this pandemic. I was talking to an old acquaintance of mine and. You know, he ended up being provider of one of the largest testing facilities in the country. This test is a joke. The PCR test is a joke. And yet they're still mandating it in countries for travel. I mean, it is ridiculous. And yet there and there are lawyers and, and fundraisers and speakers and people who've made a lot of money who never had money before that are making money off of this. But the 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 big important thing is you've got to have a legal team that knows what they're doing, not somebody who used to chase ambulances and all of a sudden is now, you know, going out and saying he's going to bring down the, the government. No, you need to have high quality people who know what they're doing. And the first thing first is you can't go into court arguing about uh, a vaccine when it's a gene therapy. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're not even following the definition. So, thank heavens for Dr. David Martin and George Wentz, these very very brilliant legal minds who understand what's going on. That's why they won. That's why they're winning these cases. They know how to present a case. You can just you can rabble rouse all you want and get nowhere. We're actually targeting and focusing because of the extreme intellect and sophistication and preparation of the people that are running these legal efforts on our behalf. And that's why we're so excited to have had these first couple of wins and we're, we're looking forward to the next ones. And so we need, we need people's help and support. We need the public to become educated. As they become educated, that's our best effort and sharing it with others to help illuminate in the light of day the travesty that's been occurring over the last two and a half years now. Very well said. All right, we're going to wrap this up for today, guys. Great stuff, as always. We'll uh, we'll do it again next week. I want to remind everybody, uh, the pit 
is now sponsored by Cardio Miracle. We also want you to head over to prosecutenow.com. Just go over there and get educated. Just, just get familiar with the site, get familiar with some of the cases. This is one of the ways, about the biggest way I know right now that we can fight back. Um, we'll continue to bring you this information every week the best we can, uh, and we'll continue to bring options for getting involved and doing something. So um, thank you, too, for all the work you do. Thanks for uh, all the things you do to help out our tribe. Um, Cardio Miracle has been an awesome product. I'm sure it will continue to be. I'm getting ready to go have my first cup of the day right now. Um, so thanks, and we'll do this again next week. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, I'll see you back here tomorrow for Destination Health. And then um, we have a special show lined up for you after Destination Health. Uh, Lauren and I will do our after hours, but we have a live one-on-one. So the, um, the subject of this one-on-one is going to join us um, pretty in-depth case. We'll walk through the whole thing so you can see how that process works and some pretty amazing results from this one. So that's what's on the agenda for tomorrow. We will see you then and we'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Pit. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.